God, I just, uh, Lord, I just pray right now, God, that you would be all that we're about tonight. God, you are so powerful. You are so prevalent, God. You are so awesome. And God, we have so much opportunity to be able to worship you, God, be able to lift you up amongst everything else in our lives. So God, tonight, as we stand and Father in all of what you've done and all of who you are and God, all that you're going to do, God, we just praise you. God, thanking you that, Father, we get to be a part of a bigger story than ourselves. We get to be a part of a bigger story than the story of God. So, God, I pray that, Father, you would humble us tonight. Thank God that you would make us excited for your word, excited for what you have in store, Lord. We pray these things in your awesome, awesome name. Amen. Well, welcome back. I am so glad that you guys are back. I know that it was a, a hard break. I know that you guys uh, uh, had a hard time sleeping late, or staying up late and sleeping in, and man, it's just a tough, tough life. But I, uh, I'm excited to be back with you guys personally. I haven't, haven't got a chance to speak to the high school in a while. Uh, if you are first time or you don't know who I am, I'm Brian Preston. I'm the middle school pastor, and uh, so I get a chance to hang out with a bunch of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders a lot. Um, just to keep them away from you all, so you're welcome, and uh, just kidding, but, uh, but I'm glad to, glad to be able to, to be here tonight, and I'm, uh, I'm really excited, I'm excited about the Word of God, I'm excited about what He has in store tonight, um, and this is a word from the Lord. Um, we have an awesome, awesome opportunity to be a part of a bigger story. We have an awesome opportunity to be a part of something that's incredibly larger and bigger than any of us can ever comprehend. It's, it's the story of God. First thing I want to just ask you and, or just kind of put in front of you tonight is this, is whenever in Scripture, think about this, whenever in Scripture has God ever told somebody, I have a job for you, it's not going to be that difficult, and it probably won't take that long. You ever heard that in Scripture? No? Obvious answer is no. I don't think I can ever think of a time that God said, this is not going to be that difficult, and it's not going to take that much time. No, every time that we a lot of times see in Scripture, we see God giving a job, giving something, giving direction to somebody and saying, listen, this is going to be difficult. It's going to be a long road. There's going to be a lot of little stumbling blocks along the way. But guess what? This is the plan that I have for you. This is the job that I have for you, and this is what I want you to accomplish. And that's kind of the plan, the overarching of where we're heading tonight. I kind of set some uh, personal goals. Uh, I don't like to really call them resolutions, uh, but I kind of set some personal goals for myself uh, for the new year. And one of the things that I kind of set in place for uh, my kind of life goal, my physical goal, uh, is to run a half marathon. So I'm planning on running one in April. And if you look at me now, you understand why it is prevalent that I need training and uh, so I started uh, training and running, and, uh, and so uh, we have these intentions a lot of times uh, where, we, where we plan on doing something, we plan on uh, where we think we're headed, where we're going to go, but sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Now, hopefully, um, the running will, but <laughs> that leads into the, the kind of thought process to, for you to think about 
We, a lot of times, set goals for ourselves. We set plans for ourselves. We set visions for ourselves, where we want to go, where we want to be. And a lot of times, it doesn't end up going that direction. Now, why is that? Well, I want to kind of put some things in front of you and talk about that tonight. We're, we, I was talking to you about God kind of calling people and he has a job for people. And a lot of times, it's more difficult than they can ever understand or imagine. And it doesn't really take... Um, a short amount of time. A lot of times it takes a lifespan or, or a long-term goal. Uh, you look at the story of Noah. You look at the ark. God said, hey, go build a boat. And Noah went and he built a boat and it took him years to build. And he built this boat and God sent the flood. They had stayed in the boat for 40 days. I mean, this was a mission that God had given him to go and do something. And it was a little bit more and a little bit harder and a little bit longer than he expected it to go. But he did it. And there was a promise at the end. You remember the promise? There's the promise and presence of God was there. You remember what it is? It was a symbol. Come on, wake up. Rainbow, that's right. It was a rainbow. God said, hey, this is a picture, this is a symbol of, of my promise to you. The presence of God is here. Okay, and then you look at the story of Abraham. God said, hey, I want you to go and build a community. I want you to call it Israel. I want you to start walking, and when I tell you to stop, then that will be where you settle. And so Abraham left pretty much everything that he knew, took some of his family, and he went, and he started walking, and he started walking, and he walked, and he walked. Finally, God said, hey, settle here. And there was a lot of things that God put in place for him to, to kind of be the father of the nation of Israel, right? And God gave him a promise and, and the presence. You remember what the symbol was for Abraham? Anybody? Bible scholars? It was circumcision. Abraham was like, well, Noah got the rainbow, so, you know, maybe I can get like a handshake or something going on here. No, but anyways, God's presence and his promise was, was there. It was evident. It was, it was prevalent. Uh, you see people like Moses. Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, took 40 years to finally get where he was going. Um, took longer than that to, for him to finally know. <coughs> Before that, took longer for him to finally get the courage enough to go. We look at the story of David. We look at how he, he, God called him, and he went and had to face a terrible difficulty in Goliath, and then God called him to be the king. So incredible lifespan journey there. You look at the story of Nehemiah, and God called him to rebuild the wall. You look at Esther, how she risked her life. You look at Joseph, how he was in prison. You look at Daniel, how he was thrown into the lion's den. You look at the ultimate job calling, and that was Jesus. God called him to go to the cross and to be the salvation of the world. You look at Paul, how he risked trial after trial to start the church. God called all these men and women to greater things and harder things and longer things than they really ever thought they were going to be a part of. They had a plan probably for their own mission, own mind. They were kind of narrowed in on their own point of view, but God said, you know what? Stop right there. I got a bigger plan, a bigger purpose for you, and here's what it is. And that's kind of where we're at. God comes to these people with their, well, they're in their plan B, right? They're in their plan B, they're on their narrow path, and God said, whoa, go this way, right? God uses people to accomplish so much. God used these people to accomplish so much, but guess what? Just as much as he can use people in Scripture, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, guess what? You sitting where you are right now, God can use you to accomplish so much. You have no idea. You have no idea, and that's the cool part and the cool thing about the story of God. It takes people willing to say, you know what? God can use me. God can take me and use me, and that's where we're at tonight. If you want to turn in your Bible, 
We're going to look at the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going to start. And I want to kind of illustrate something for you real quick. The story of Joseph is a good news, bad news story. It's a roller coaster ride, okay? It goes up, down, all around. It's just crazy. And so we're going to look at this good news, bad news story. So I'm going to kind of separate you guys off, okay? So this half of the room, you guys are the good news, all right? So repeat after me. Good news. Oh, come on, people. That's good news. Come on, ready? Good news. All right, you'll need some work. All right, so this half of the room, you guys are the bad news. I'm sorry it's not a great job, but you guys are the bad news. You ready? Bad news. Bad news. There you go. Awesome. So here we go. I'm just going to kind of give you a little bit of brief overview of the story of Joseph. And when I point to you, I want you to say good news or bad news, okay? So Joseph found favor with his father. His father was old, and when, he, when Joseph was born, he became Joseph's favorite, or Joseph was his favorite, and so he found favor with his father, which was good news. That's right. But then his brothers hated him for it, which was bad news. That's right. What happened was, is that Joseph uh, was given this really, really sweet coat. You know, you probably got some coats for Christmas and stuff, but this thing was multicolored, man. It was off the chain. And that was good news, right? Well, the brothers then took it, ripped it off of him, threw him in a pit, and sold him into slavery, which was bad news, yeah. Well, Joseph was sold into slavery, and he was taken, he was given to Potiphar. Potiphar was this kind of high-ranking official in Egypt, and Potiphar, uh, he found favor with Potiphar, and Joseph was a really, really good-looking dude. You talk about, like, Sean Lowe on The Bachelor, my wife watches that show, and uh, I'll admittedly say I watched some of it with her, but Sean Lowe's a really, really good-looking dude, you know, and he's, you know, tall and handsome and all that kind of good stuff, all the things that I'm not, but I'm a lot more funnier than Sean Lowe, which is good news, that's right, and then on the other side of that is he went to Potiphar's house, but then his wife tried to seduce him, which is, yeah, that's bad news. And then what happened was Joseph resisted the temptation, which was good news. But then Potiphar's wife lied and had him thrown into prison, which is bad news, yeah. It's kind of this good news, bad news story. It's kind of this roller coaster ride. And he goes up and down and up and down, and Joseph is in the middle of it, caught in the middle of it, and this is his life. And the crazy thing about it is, this is our life, man. We go through ups and downs and good news and bad news all the time. All the time. This is life. But here's the thing, something good happens and something bad happens, and we kind of pray and we're like, God, just please, like, if you just help me make this sports team, just please pray, 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 pray. And maybe you make it, man, and that's great news. And then two weeks later, you have a season-ending injury, and you're out for the whole year, and that's bad news. Or maybe you're in a relationship with a guy, or you're wanting to be in a relationship with a guy or girl, and you're like, pray, 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 maybe I can be in a relationship with you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you are, and then maybe two weeks later, a month later, you break up, and that's bad news. And then maybe you're praying, you're like, Father, please just help our family, help my parents stay together, help their Marriage helped them to lead our family, which is good news. And then six months to a year down the road, they get a divorce. That's bad news. We have these things that we go through constantly, from like minute little things to kind of big things. And we're roller coastering all the way down. 
We see all these good news, bad things in our lives. And the crazy part is you know that gut-wrenching feeling when something bad happens and it just the bottom falls out. You know what I'm talking about? Just something really bad happens, the bottom falls out. Your worst nightmares are becoming true, but here's the question. Here's the one question I want you to think about tonight as we look at the story, as you look at your life. And is what would you do in your life if you were absolutely confident that God was with you? What would you do in your life, in your circumstance, in the things that you do, and the things that you're a part of? Every, think about your life, the things that you go through on a daily basis, your goals for the next few weeks or years. Think about all the things that you want to be a part of in your life and think, what would you do if you were absolutely confident that God was with you? And look in the story of Joseph. Chapter 37, start in verse 3. It's a really cool story. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And when he, <coughs> excuse me, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father favored him more than all the other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. You already see family dysfunction, right? The, the father's showing favoritism towards the son. The brothers hate him. There's all kinds of dysfunction already displayed. Look over in verse 23. We'll skip ahead a little bit. It says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the sweet coat, they ro the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it, basically a well. They threw him in this bottomless pit. Not bottomless. Bottom pit, but it was big. You get the idea. All right. <laughs> it's kind of this breaking moment in Joseph's life. You think about the story, like the, the comfortability that he was with. He was like the favorite son. He kind of like controlled everything that he was a part of in his life, all the things that he was about. He was kind of set up and he was in a good situation. And all of a sudden he's taken and he's thrown in a pit and he's soon going to be thrown in, or sold into slavery. And you think about this is like the breaking moment in his life. And I think that a lot of us have these breaking moments. You may not be in the bottom of a pit looking up, but maybe you're in bed at night looking up thinking, why me? What is going on? Where is God? It's kind of like those, um, those like we, we tend to have like this thing that we want to control everything. And you, have you ever seen those like marinette puppets, those, those puppets that, uh, that have strings on them? They're kind of old looking and creepy. You know what I'm talking about? They, they have strings that go down and like you got one string that goes down to your job, one string that goes down to your family, one string that goes down to your to maybe your finances, one to your relationship, one to your school, to your sports team, and you're just kind of playing the puppet master and you're manipulating and controlling, right? You, you're making everything out to the way you think it should go or the way you want it to go, and you're kind of just playing that that deal and you're trying to set yourself up and control everything in your life. And we kind of have this problem with trying to control everything and want to want to, to do things and manipulate things to the way they ought to be. <coughs> the greatest, I think the greatest illusion um, is the illusion that we can control things. The great, the, one of the greatest illusions that you think you can actually control your life, that you can actually do and think and put things in your life the way you want them to go. Because you and I both know that doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> The truth of Scripture, check this out. The truth of Scripture 
You know, I talked about that moment where it's kind of that breaking moment. You're in the pit, and you're looking up, and you're thinking, why me? The truth of Scripture is that God is most powerfully present when he seems to be most apparently absent. The moment where you think that everything's lost, everything's gone, I don't know what's happening, why me, where are you, God? And it's like, that is the moment in which God is most powerfully present. He is there, he is working, and you had no clue, man. It's crazy. Look, at, look, look into the chapter 39, starting in verse 1. Can I skip ahead? Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had, brought, had bought excuse me, him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. And check this out. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of the Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph. What? You're talking about a guy who just went from having everything like sweet and dandy to being ripped apart, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, and you know what? God is with him. We kind of grew up with this idea, at least I did. I grew up with this idea, this false idea that only good things happen to you if God's with you. You kind of have this idea that if bad things start happening, you're like, God's not with me. Where is he? Like, what's going on? Like, I did my quiet time. I prayed a couple times. Like, where is he? We kind of grow up with this kind of false sense of that. But even in the midst of great trial, it says the Lord was with Joseph. And check this out. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight of a Potiphar, and attended to him, and he made him overseer of his whole house, and he put him in charge of all that he had. There was something different about Joseph. Potiphar noticed it, man. He looked at Joseph, and he was like, huh. There was something different about him. And, and the thing that tells me the most about this specific instance is that no matter what happens and things that happen in our lives, our response matters. Joseph could have been easily bitter and troubled by all that had just gone on. I couldn't imagine being ripped apart by your own brothers and then sold into slavery. He could have easily been bitter, mad at God. But it says Potiphar noticed him, his response to all that just happened. He said, you know what, dude, the Lord is with that dude. It's crazy. Though Joseph was stripped of his coat, he wasn't stripped of his identity. And though his family abandoned him, he didn't abandon his God. It blows me away. Keep going back to the same idea. 39.5 says, From the time that he made him overseer in the house and and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. From the time that he made him overseer in the house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Why wouldn't you bless Joseph for Joseph's sake? Right? It's kind of a backwards way of doing it, right? I'd be a little teed off at that point. 
God, you've done all these different things, but yet I'm still obeying you. I'm still trying to do what you've called me to do. I'm still doing the job that you've tried to call me to accomplish. But yet somehow, some way, you're blessing other people because of my efforts. What's going on? Not sure why it happened that way, but to me, it seems pretty important. Sometimes things just don't make sense, and that's okay. Because <laughs> like I said earlier, God's story is greater than just us, right? Sometimes when things don't work out for us, it doesn't mean that he's not still working. We want to control everything, right? We just want to try to just manipulate and do everything. And I think the greatest thing to remember here is that there is a God, and it's not you. Just repeat that after me. There is a God, and it's not you. Check out verse 6. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. Because because of him, he had no concern about anything except the food he ate. That'd be a sweet gig. Have somebody working for you and doing all the stuff you want, and all you got to worry is about the next meal. Now Joseph was handsome. Remember Sean Lowe? In form and appearance, and after a time, the master's wife caught her, cast her eyes on Joseph. Remember, he was a good-looking dude, and said, "Lie with me." But he refused. But he refused and said to the master's wife, "Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in his house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then?" Can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Not Potiphar, not, not himself, but against God. I think this short little clip of the passage is really, really powerful. And in my mind, it kind of makes Joseph a hero in this moment. Because, man, this guy didn't have, like, some church accountability group he was going to or guys that he was like, dude, like, you got to help me, help me through the situation. This chick's trying to, you know, do all whatever. But yet he still obeyed and still resisted the temptation in this moment. I think it's important to remember that like Joseph had kind of a leverage point here where he could have been like easily been like, well, maybe if I do this, then she will find favor with me and she's pretty high up too, and maybe she can help me not to be a slave anymore or whatever. Like, there's tons of different things he could have kind of leveraged this situation to. But I think it's important to remember that we shouldn't abandon our God-given morals to try to accomplish our God-given dream. Because in the pursuit of even our own personal, like, minute goals, God has still given you a morale code. He's still given you things to abide by and and try, to, try to, to walk towards and through. And I think it's important to remember that in that, in that moment. <clears throat> no matter how great your plan is, it'll make a lousy God. Verse 11 or 10, it says, And he spoke to Joseph day by day, or as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Temptation is relentless, man. It doesn't just stop. Like, just as you resist it once, it's going to stop. Like, no, like, it happens like one day you resist it, it's going to come back like threefold the next. Like temptation is relentless and it's strong. God called you to fight against it day after day. He said he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. 
But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. It's kind of a good word for us guys, especially in the sense of sexual sin, like flee, dude, like get out. He says he fled the house, he fled and got out of the house. She called to the men of the household and said to them, see, he has brought amongst us, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me and I cried with a loud voice. And as soon as I heard that, I lifted my voice and cried. He left he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. The crazy part about this to me is that the very temptation, the very thing that Joseph is trying to avoid in this moment is the thing that got him in prison. Like, it still happened. <laughs> like, she lied and still got him thrown into prison anyways. And it's like thing after thing after thing. Are you getting a sense of a theme here? Like, it's one thing after the other after the other, and yet still keeps happening, and Joseph still keeps obeying God, but yet all these things keep happening, and it's like, why is this still going on? Check this out. Verse 40, <coughs> or chapter 40, excuse me. It says, kind of the story leading up to this, he's been sent to prison. He's found favor with the warden, which is not always a good thing, but he's found favor with the warden. And there's a cupbearer, a chief cupbearer, and a chief um, baker there with him, and they both have a dream, and Joseph has the ability to interpret these dreams. We learned that back when he was still with his parents in Scripture, and he interprets these dreams, and he tells these dudes, he said, the cupbearer said, you know what, dude, in three days, you're going to be out of here, and you're going to go back to Pharaoh's court, and he's going to put you back in that chief cupbearer position, which was a good spot, and they told the other dude, you know what, you're basically going to get executed. So that's kind of where we're at. And so he's telling the cupbearer, and he says in verse 14, only remember me. He's just explained his dream, and he's kind of pleading here. And he's saying, only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh so I get out of the house. Only remember me. I think that we kind of come to these moments in life where we just kind of, we pray and we pray and we pray for this like one last moment. We're like, God, just this last, you haven't done any, you haven't really helped me along the way at all yet, or at least we don't feel that way. But you kind of haven't really helped me along, along the way yet, and then we kind of had this last moment here, and I really need you to do this one thing. I really need you to kind of help keep my parents together. I really need you to help save my family member that's, that's about to pass away. I really, I'm coming down to this moment, Lord, and I really need you to help me right here one last thing. And, and Joseph's crying out, man. He's like, please, like, just remember me. Just remember me. Verse 23, if you skip down, it says this. Yet the cheap cupbearer, he had gone and he kind of explained. <laughs> he had gone and he got back to the Ferris court and he got back to his hierarchy position, just like the dream was said. And it says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. God could have done something crazy miraculous here. He could have like flung open the gates of the jail, set Joseph free. He could have had like Pharaoh come and like personally escort him out, right? Just something crazy could have happened where he, this one last prayer is like, God, please remember me. Something crazy could have happened. He could have led him out. He could have helped him out and saved him in this moment. And he said, the cupbearer forgot him. 
And it was like this last desperate plea, and it's like, what is going on? Listen, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know the thing, the circumstances that you're in. I don't know what's going on, but I'd be willing to bet that you're probably going through some crud right now, at least some of you. Now, a lot of this kind of pertains to, there's a passage in John 16.33 that says, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's like, in this world, you're going to face trouble. So whether or not you're going through it right now, it's coming. Or whether or not you've already walked through it, it's coming. And so I'd be willing to bet there's some of you, though, in this room tonight that's already walking through some stuff, and you're just like getting the crap beat out of you. And you're like, what's going on? Like, I have this, 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 these hopes and these future plans for myself, and, man, I keep riding these waves of bad news. And I don't know how long you've been in it. Like I said, you know, God just kind of gives us these jobs and gives us these, 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 these points in life. He says, you know, it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be for an extended amount of time. So I don't know how long you've been going, but I think that the, the, the important thing to remember is how you respond matters. Like how you respond in that situation really matters. So whatever you're going through, whatever the circumstance, you look at the life of Joseph, you look at the response after response after response, he continually found God faithful and he continually found that the Lord was with him. It's repeated over and over and over in these few chapters. I don't have like some sweet bow to tie on the end of the sermon or anything. But I'd like to ask you, just like, who in this room would just be honest tonight and just say, you know what, like, I've asked God to kind of help me out. I've, I've, I'm like going through some stuff right now, and God hasn't shown up. Um, but like I thought he would, but like, is anybody in here just willing to kind of just be honest and admit that? I mean, my hand's raised. And it's not, it's not, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that are going through that. And it's not, like I said, it's, if, if you're not, it, it might, it's probably coming. But at the same time, I think that it's really cool to remember. We, like I said, we were talking about at the beginning, like we kind of get stuck in these in this narrow-minded, minute, like just world that we live in, our day-to-day life where we go from, you know, school to homework to sport to, to home to relationship to whatever the things that we're involved in. We kind of get sucked in to our plan B, like the thing that we're all about, the thing that we're living, the life that we're all about. And we kind of neglect the fact that there really is no plan B. It's all about plan A. And God has a purpose and a point. And his plan is that he would glorify himself. And his plan is that you would glorify him along the way as well. It's not exactly a high-paying price job to, to be a part of. But at the same time, God's story is a lot bigger than you and me. Cool thing about Joseph is eventually God did bring him out. And he did elevate him into a really cool place. He was second in command to Pharaoh over the entire land of Egypt. And God favor and God was with him every step of the way. I think it's really, 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 really important to remember that in the midst of everything, Joseph was still like obedient he was still there 
One little thing <coughs> that I want to read to you real quick is that kind of in the midst of all of that, I think the, thing, the really cool thing to remember is that when we go, <coughs> when we go from pursuing, pursuing Christ and acknowledging him and moving forward and knowing that he, his life and what his purpose is and what he's all about and moving forward and honoring and glorifying him, we kind of ride this wave of emotion. And a lot of times it's because we're all about doing what God, or doing what God, sorry, doing what God is doing, or being all about what God is doing and not being about who he is. So we kind of ride this wave of emotion because we're just kind of riding the wave of what he's doing. And when he gives us a good thing to go through or when he gives us a bad thing to go through, we're up and down. Instead of really focusing in on who he is and being all about who God is and glorifying him for who he is in our lives. So I just want you to take a moment. I'm going to pray. This Christian life is hard, man. It's long. It's exhausting. It's not something that's really glamorous or but it's the most rewarding thing that you could ever be a part of. And Jesus, we just want to come right now, Lord, and we want to pray that, Father, that your will would be done among anything else. And, God, that you would be glorified amongst everything else in our lives. God, we want to be all about plan A. (laughs) God, please help us to realize that our plan B doesn't exist. That, God, we want to be a part of a bigger story. We want to be a part of the story of God. So, God, if there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know you, God, that they, they've never seen you evident and, and, and just huge and prevalent in their life, God, that they would, they would wake up to that right now. That, God, that you would help them understand that, God, that you came and you died on the cross for their sin and you rose again, Father, so that they can have eternal life with you. And God, they could live a life that is worthy of Jesus. They could live a life that means everything when they're a part of the kingdom of God and they glorify you in everything that they do. And God, for some of us, others of us, God, that are in this room, Father, we just need to repent. God, we just need to seek you and, and seek forgiveness and say, Lord, we messed up. God, we've, we've been living all about our own lives, our own plan. And Father, we want to be about you and about your plan. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord. We praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God paints on a canvas that is bigger than us that we could even dream or imagine. And so what your life may be working on up here in this corner of the canvas and what somebody else's life may be working on down here in the other end, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that there's a picture that's greater than we can see. So I challenge you, just remember that as you go throughout this year, Be all about God's plan A. I'm telling you, it's the most rewarding thing that you could ever be a part of in the midst of every season of your life. (laughs) I love you guys. Um, Chris has something for us real quick, and then you guys are free to go after that.